That's really why we do what we do. We offer a nice convenience to homeowners. You know, they don't have to dial for dollars and they don't have to get, you know, stood up by, by grass cutting services. I mean, it's a nice convenience, but for the service provider, that's why we get out of bed in the morning. That's why we have worked our tails off for, for seven, eight years building this thing because we materially change their life. We give them an entire platform that they plug into where all of the all of the lawns they want to mow are right at their fingertips. They don't have to wait to get paid. They get paid in 24 hours, so they don't have to do bookkeeping at night. That's Brian Clayton from GreenPal telling us how he created an app he calls the Uber of Lawn Care because it's changed the lives of millions of small business owners around the country. Welcome to Uncooked, a podcast serving up raw insights for marketers as we hear the unfiltered truth from industry experts, brands, and the target audiences we serve in their own words. I'm your host, Jacqueline Lieberman, and today on Uncooked, I'm excited about my guest, Brian Clayton. Brian is a serial entrepreneur since he was in high school, and today he's talking about his business called GreenPal. GreenPal is a service that matches homeowners with lawn care services. You might be thinking, what's the big deal? Well, number one, that service doesn't exist today. And number two, if you're a homeowner, you know finding someone reliable is a challenge. And you also never know if you're getting a fair price. GreenPal removes all of those pain points and more in a seamless Uber-like interface. Pretty cool. But this isn't a story about cutting grass efficiently. It's a story about entrepreneurship and how Brian and his co-founders created a tool that gives small business owners a real shot at being successful. So let's dig in. Brian Clayton from GreenPal, thank you so much for being here. I really, really want to understand all about GreenPal, but before we get into it, please tell me a little bit about yourself and your backstory, just leading up to how you even got here. Yeah, so 20 years of entrepreneurship in a couple of minutes. Luckily, one day on a hot summer day in the mid-90s, my dad made me go cut the neighbor's grass. He said, get off your butt. you got a job to do. You're going to go mow the neighbor's yard. And I went over next door, cut the neighbor's grass, got paid 20 bucks. And something about that, just making money, as much money as I wanted to make, just stuck with me. And so I just stuck with that little lawn mowing business throughout all through high school and all through college. And little by little, grew my little grass cutting business into one of the biggest landscaping companies in the state of Tennessee. Got it over $10 million a year in revenue, over 150 people. And in 2013, that business was acquired by one of the largest landscaping companies in the United States. So taking that business from just from me and a push mower to me and 150 people, I learned a lot about how to build a business from scratch and just through trial and error, how to build a profitable business. And when I sold that business, I retired. I took some time off and I realized okay, dang, I'm bored. I need to get back in the game. I want to start another project. And so the idea for GreenPal was just an easy one for me. I was kind of solving my own problem. I saw how inefficient the lawn mowing business operated and I knew an app needed to exist to make it easier. So like GreenPal is the Uber for lawn mowing. And I've been working on this business for seven years, my two co-founders and I. We started off really slow. The first few years were really hard. We're kind of a seven-year overnight success. But we've gotten the business over 200,000 homeowners that use the platform doing $20 million a year in revenue. So that's 20 years of entrepreneurship in one industry. I've kind of seen this business from every angle you can see it from. So I just would love to understand, how did you connect those dots from like your years of company number one, hearing all those pain points to you saying, you know what, I need to solve for this somehow and do it better this time? It's a great question. So I was kind of solving my own problem. I think that can help any entrepreneur when they're inventing something from scratch or they're starting something new. If you're solving your own problem, you've seen the problem exists in the real world, you can kind of start on second or third base and almost 
have the wind to your back. If not, you don't really know you're solving a problem that people will pay for. When I was running my first company, we grew that business, you know, from just me to me and a helper to me and 10 people, 50 people, 150 people. We grew it to a really big company. And when we scaled the company, we were doing nothing but commercial work, everything from you know, shopping centers, apartment complexes, airports, restaurants, banks, big commercial contracts. That's what that business kind of evolved to be. But because we we're putting out 70 or 80 trucks every single day with our logo slapped on the side, people would still call our office every day just begging us to come cut their grass because we had a receptionist. We had the brand. We had the name recognition. We were a known entity in our market. And we no longer did those residential services because they weren't profitable for us. We were too big of a company to go do a $27 lawn mowing. But we had a value and ethos of how we ran that company to always be helpful, always try to help people no matter what, whether it was a profitable concern or not, if we could help somebody, we would. And so we would keep a list of names and numbers of smaller service providers, one man, one woman operators, you know, that were just riding around with a lawnmower themselves. And we would refer out these names on a daily basis, sometimes as many as 40 or 50 times a day. And what I've observed was that we were kind of a connector service. And people would say, hey, thanks for those five names and numbers you gave me, but I called all five of them and nobody called me back. Do you have five more? <laughs> and so it just became this like endless loop. And so not only were we like referring these people out, giving them free business, but they weren't even calling them back. Oh, man. And so I, I saw the pain of why of like somebody who is just needs to get a basic, reliable lawn mowing service. It's just really hard. And the life as a lawn mowing service is really hard too. Like it's not because they don't want to call them back. It's because they're spending 12 hours a day on a lawnmower. Okay. They don't have a receptionist. They don't have somebody to, that's doing dispatching and estimating for them. They're trying to like hold it all together. So you had all that infrastructure already in place in terms of you had a receptionist and dispatching and all of that stuff in place in your other... In my first business, yes. But I grew into that just through sheer trial and error and, and just, just sheer hard work grew that business to where I eventually hired an operations manager, hired a chief of sales, hired a receptionist, hired somebody, you know, like as time went on, we're 15 year period of time. I grew this into an operation that could field these requests, but 99% of people that cut grass, residential grass don't have that stuff. And so that was the problem that we set out to solve and that we're still solving to this day is how do we give the smaller service provider who is just mowing 20 yards a week, all of the tools that my big business had, which is basically instant booking, seamless quoting, the ability to quote and get hired without even having to talk to anybody. All of these things like this happened magically with the technology we've built for them. Hearing this origin story brings up two great points. One is small businesses who cater to homeowners typically don't spend a lot of energy branding themselves so they can have recognition in their space. I think that's a huge miss. People were seeing Brian's service trucks around in uniforms, and they prompted them to ask for referrals. Branding equals credibility in people's minds, no matter what business you're in. Secondly, he figured out that he needed a business infrastructure to handle the customer experience of estimates, appointments, and billing. Another thing often overlooked by small business owners, you can be the very best at what you do, but if people have to wait for the simple things like a callback or just service, they're going to quickly move on. But Brian saw all these little customer pain points popping up around him in his first business, and that really led him to start GreenPal.
how do you ensure the same level of service trickles down to every lawn that gets cut? I can imagine that that's a really hard thing to constantly pay off every day. It's really hard. And in the first few years, it was just nothing but hand cranking. It was really personally vetting every single service provider and following up and making sure they were doing a good job. And as time went on, we were able to layer on layers of technology to ensure that there was a consistent, predictable level of quality that homeowners that use our app will get. And so you talk about, you know, brand, that's what the GreenPal brand is. You know, you know, when you sign up on GreenPal, you're not going to get the people who are flaky. You're not going to get somebody who's going to skip the trimming. You're not going to get somebody who's going to leave clippings all over your back patio. You're going to get a consistent quality of service. And so the way we ensure that is, is, you know, we're not your grass cutting service. We're the marketplace that connects you with a good one. But the way we ensure that is right off the bat, when somebody signs up on our platform, there's a minimal level of vetting. They have to have the right equipment. They have to pass a bank check. They have to have a real ID. They have like, there's a basic floor, but that doesn't necessarily ensure that you're going to get a good job done. So, but then we measure how often these service providers show up on time. We measure how often they get booked for a second lawn mowing. That's probably one of the strongest indicators for if they are doing a good job for their clientele or not, is if they get booked for recurring visits. We measure how often we like qualitative feedback, star ratings. Every time a service is done, the homeowner gets to rate them on how they did. And so through these different ways of understanding, okay, are they reliable? Are they pleasing their customers? What are people saying about them? They have to maintain a minimum star rating. We're able to weed out and kind of sideline the unreliable service providers because there are a lot of them. And we're able to promote and surface the ones that are good. And so that's kind of the value proposition to a homeowner who, who downloads the app. It's like, okay, great. Now I don't have to get stood up anymore. I don't have to go through the case of the disappearing lawn guy. Nobody's going to flake on me. Like I, I hire them, they show up, it just happens. I would also imagine that your service probably gives peace of mind to the lawn care providers that it's probably a welcome relief that they would have somebody like you booking their services so they don't have to do that 100% of their time. That's really why we do what we do. We offer a nice convenience to homeowners. You know, they don't have to dial for dollars and they don't have to get, you know, stood up by grass cutting services. I mean, it's a nice convenience, but for the service provider, that's why we get out of bed in the morning. That's why we have worked our tails off for, for seven, eight years building this thing because we materially change their life. We give them an entire platform that they plug into where all of the lawns they want to mow are right at their fingertips. They don't have to wait to get paid. They get paid in 24 hours, so they don't have to do bookkeeping at night. Their routes are optimized to go through town at the most efficient manner. All of these things are handled for them to where all they have to do is just do a good job of servicing their clientele, and we materially help them double and triple their business and improve their livelihood just through the technology we've built. So we've got a Facebook group where we have thousands of these service providers that we kind of share stories. And every day where we hear stories around, oh, GreenPal helped me double my business this year. So I was able to get my house out of foreclosure or look at my new truck that I bought. Thank you, GreenPal, for you know helping me get these customers to buy this truck. That's why we get out of bed in the morning. That's amazing because you really are changing their lives in huge ways. That's exactly right. And that's why we do it. You know, I've lived, I have the scars literally on my hands, the sharpening <laughs> lawnmower blades. And like, like I have the scars. I know how much it's. He's showing me his scars, folks. You can't I, see it, I know how much it sucks making a living in the grass cutting business. So I'm, again, I'm kind of solving my own problem, trying to make life better for people that make their living in this industry and also making it more accessible because the lawn mowing business remarkably is one of the best businesses that anybody can get into just to learn 
how to run a business. There's fundamentals and principles in the lawn mowing business that apply to every business. So it has low barriers to entry. Our platform makes it even easier to get into. And even if you just spend a year or two or three in this industry, you can learn how to run your own business and ease your way into entrepreneurship in this industry. Brian brings up a great point about solving typical pain points of services, not meeting expectations or just not showing up at all. GreenPal tracks performances, so if a service isn't highly rated and getting repeat bookings, they're no longer on the app. It's not like TripAdvisor, who has a review for everything, and then you're left to decide for yourself. So, yes, it's about easily matching people with services, but it's also about making homeowners feel confident that there's actual humans behind the app always vetting quality. That's hugely important. And the fact that GreenPal is materially changing lives of small business owners by showing them what's possible, that's the holy grail. They're making entrepreneurs out of people who started with one push mower in a few houses. That's when you know that you're onto something really special. Brian, it's one thing to have the entrepreneurial bug. It's one thing to want to start a business. But it's a whole other thing to build an app with actual technology that is intuitive. How did you connect those dots, which was to say, okay, so not only do we think that an app is the thing to solve this, but how did you find the tech partner, the brains behind that to make it as user-friendly as you have? Luckily, I was naive. I didn't know what I didn't know. (laughs) And so getting started, if I had known everything the difficulty that it was going to be, I probably would have been scared and never, and never would have gotten started. So luckily I was naive. And I think that level of naivete can help any entrepreneur when you're first getting started. Do you know, I hear that you're not the first entrepreneur that I've interviewed that says that they said, you know, naivete is the thing that really has gotten them through. Especially just getting started. Yeah. If you know how hard it's going to be, you won't, you won't do it. And so just being naive will get you in the game. And then if you just keep pressing forward and you don't look back, you know, that's it. You just keep going. And so uh, that's definitely the case for us. Our first year, I just sold my business. I took a few months off. I didn't know the first thing about how to build software. And I didn't know how hard that was. And so when I recruited two co-founders, neither of them had any skills to build software. They were hard, (laughs) hard working guys, guys I trusted. And guys that, you know, had a chip on their shoulder to do something great, which is what I was looking for, for business partners. But none of us knew the first thing about how to build software. And so we believed that all we had to do was pay a development shop, an agency to build GreenPal. We would just market it and we'd be off and going. Uh So we spent $150,000 of our own cash. And it wasn't like, I mean, this is is money on credit cards. Like my co-founder liquidated his 401k. This was money that we needed. Personal. Yeah, 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 that we put on this thing. And the shop that we hired spent like eight months building it, which was way too long. And we launched it and we were confronted with the reality of it was a piece of crap. Oh, no. It didn't have the features it needed. We had to do all of these things to improve it. And the code base was written in a language that was not necessarily popular. And so long story short, we had to start from scratch. And when we started from scratch, we at least had enough validation on that first version. We had like maybe a hundred people that had tried it and we met with every one of those people that would meet with us and talk to them about, okay, well, where did we let you down and why did you try it? And uh, what we kept coming across was people were disappointed when it didn't work. And that was a good sign. 
like they were pissed off <laughs> that it didn't fulfill the promise. Right. And so like, as weird as it sounds, that was the thing that gave us confidence to keep pressing forward because these people were pissed off. If they weren't, they didn't care. Then it's almost like, ah, eh, you're not solving a problem, but at least they were disappointed. Mm. And so that was enough validation for us to understand, okay, well, we're going to have to learn how to build software if we're going to keep going. And we did. My co-founder went to software school for like six months. I took every online course I could to learn how to build uh, front-end software. And and uh, my other co-founder learned how to design. And it took three years for us to learn the skills we needed while we were hacking away on the second version. And so that was one reason why it was such a slow start. You know, a lot of times you see these tech startups that are just, just crush it in three or four or five years. And what you don't realize is, is like that founder or that founding team is on their second or third or fourth swing at the plate. Like they've already crashed and burned two or three times, or they've already had an exit and they've already started on like second or third base. Whereas, you know, us, we were in the dugout. We weren't even in the stadium. We were, we were in the parking <laughs> lot, you know, like trying to learn how to do this stuff. And so that's why it took a long time for us to get rolling. And then the thing was, is like, we had like the painful memory of pissing away $150,000. We didn't delegate for a very long time. And so we held on to the tasks too long ourselves. Yeah. And so that was like the pendulum swung this way and then we held on to it too long. And then so if I could have done it all over again, you know, taking a seven, eight years to get where we are today, I could probably do it in a year with everything that I know now. But that's how we got through it. We just kept going forward. I'm sure a lot of people listening are like build or buy, right? So to your point, you tried to buy it, it didn't work, then you went to build it, and that seemed to work. What would you recommend, though, knowing what you know now? I think every business at some point is going to be a tech business. And so I think every business is like, if you have like a roofing company, and you do roof replacements for homeowners, believe it or not, one day you're going to have a software engineer on staff, somebody that can like wire this stuff up. And so like I think that's coming. But to answer the question for today, If you're going to start a 100% technology-oriented company, an app like we've built or something like that, then yes, you need to understand and learn. You have to have in your core competency how to build software. Either you as the founder or your co-founder, do not think that you're going to pay somebody on on Upwork to build it and you're just going to like market it. It's not going to work that way. If you're going to be in the tech business, you have to like be able to execute tech. So that's the short answer. Now, let's say... For instance, you know, I went to the dentist the other day. Why, when I'm at the dentist, do I still have to fill out nine forms by <laughs> hand with a pen? Right. It's the same dentist. Yeah. And still have to like call to reschedule my appointment. And like, why? Like if that dentist would just like hire somebody who, who thinks technology oriented, they could create a much better customer experience for their customer with just a little bit of tech. Right. And so do you need to be a software engineer and a dentist? No, but you need to like be thinking about how to leverage technology and like not necessarily you don't even have to write your own software. There's out of the box tools you can buy to make these things easier for your customers. Yeah. So like, I think it goes along the spectrum. If you're going to be in the tech business, you want to invent an app that is going to be the Uber for massages then you're going to need to be in the tech. You're going to need to be able to execute tech. You're going to have to. Yeah. If you're a masseuse and you want to make it a little easier for your customers to find you online and schedule you and book you again and solicit a review, there's tools that you can buy that'll do all of that. And you don't have to know the first thing about writing software. 
A few things to unpack here. I love, firstly, how Brian said that he felt validation when he talked to his angry customers to find out what wasn't working. The goal, obviously, was not to piss them off, but it showed that they cared enough to at least have expectations from this type of service. That's a great kind of marker for entrepreneurs to bear in mind. It's really not only you're getting customer feedback and you iterate, but it's also about finding out, are you really solving for a universal problem or are you just solving for your own problem? Because that's the difference between having a real business versus just a cool idea. He also brings up a great point for every business owner to consider when you have to wear many hats. Brian and his co-founders realized that they had to get under the hood themselves to figure their technology out. That's pretty brave. I feel like a lot of people would have thrown in the towel at that point. They felt like that there were just some things too important to delegate. Now, I don't think everyone needs to learn code, but I also know that he's urging every business to think like a tech company, which I think is really great. Thinking like a tech company means that you need to think through every single aspect of the user experience, removing friction along the way. Do you have any competitors right now? Our main competition is the status quo. GreenPal is the easiest way in the world to get a grass cutting service. Unfortunately, 95% of people that still hire a grass cutting service do it the hard way. They ask a friend or a family for a referral. And how do you know that's the best price and quality for that job that you need done? Uh, or they'll still dial for dollars on Craigslist or Yelp or Facebook. So unfortunately, that's the main competitor that we have is just the status quo. There are other services that help connect buyers and sellers in our industry. Like there's Home Advisor, Angie's List, Thumbtack. These are great places to go find a list of names and numbers for lawn mowing or plumbing or home cleaning or painting. Yeah. Great ways. Like that's a much better way than doing it the old way. But you still have to poll these people. You still have to call them. You still have to leave a voicemail. You still have to like pry an estimate out of them. You, you know, it's still a pain in the neck. GreenPal is the only end-to-end solution where we hook you up with it quotes instantly where you can read reviews and hire the service you want to work with. We're not your grass cutting service. We are the only platform that helps you find the best fit in your neighborhood that you never knew existed. Right. That's very cool. Let's talk about marketing. How do people find out about GreenPal typically? So we started off the first year, launched the app, no user acquisition strategy. And we only did the only thing we knew how to do passed out door hangers. We passed out like 200,000 door hangers all around Nashville, Tennessee, and it sucked. It was really hard, but it got us the first couple hundred, maybe even a thousand customers. That's a lot for a door hanger. Yeah. That's pretty well, good. We passed out like 200,000 of these things. So I mean, <laughs> it, 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 it was, it, I mean, it was like, it was like a 1% return if that. Um, so yeah. And I got bit by a dog like twice. And so oh, no. yeah, one dog bite per 10 customers wasn't, a, wasn't scalable. And so we learned the hard way that we had to figure something out. And so we started really like interviewing clients and they would say, well, normally I find some ways by searching on Google. And so we really keyed in on that and we started to really understand, okay, well, we need to compete in Google search. And again, the naivete got us uh, started on that path. As it turns out, it's really, 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 really hard to compete in Google organic. Yeah, It's just hard. It's a long slog it's you have to play the long game it's almost like i liken it to dieting i liken it to losing 100 pounds <laughs> like like the first yeah. three months is just faith yeah and so we just kept at it we kept doing the things that we needed to do to rank in google organic the only thing we had going for us we were just in one city 
we were only in Nashville, Tennessee. And so we spent three years just in Nashville trying to figure out how to acquire homeowners, how to make sure vendors show up on time and all the million problems that happen between those two points. Mm-hmm. So that's why we were able to get traction in, in Google organic search because we were just in one city. And then after time went on, we were able to develop a playbook to rank well for keywords for every city in the country. And that's where we are today, eight years later. And half of our users come from Google organic search and the other half come from word of mouth. Okay. I gotcha. Do you have any marketing plans this year in terms of things that you're doing that are different from what you've done in the past? One of my philosophies as an entrepreneur is just to do more of what's already working, not try to do things that's not working. We've experimented in every channel there is. Facebook ads, Instagram ads, Twitter ads, radio, billboards, newspaper ads, everything. We have experimented in every one of those channels and we couldn't get the economics to really work in any one of them. So rather than trying to fix that stuff that's not working, we just double down on what already is working. And so what's working for us is SEO, search engine optimization, and CRO, conversion rate optimization. Those are the two ways we get more sales. We figure out a way for more people to find us when they're searching for us. And then we figure out a way to find all of the friction that prevents them from signing up. I mean, things just like as far as forms that work clean, you know, not having to type your address in, you just type, you know, Google auto completes it, not requiring a password. That was one thing we did last year is we eliminated the need for a password and that increased sales by like 10%. Oh man. Uh, Just that one thing. Yeah. And so stuff like that, Removing all of the stuff in front of your user to do business with you is something that we were focusing on. And I think every business, no matter what you're doing, if you're a home cleaning service, if you're a lawyer, if you're a dentist, if you really try to do business with yourself and remove all of the friction that exists between you and your customer, that's a great way to pick up sales. Yeah. Remove the friction. That's what it's all about. Exactly. So can you talk about what is GreenPal's fundamental truth? What is in your DNA? Yeah. So for us, our brand is a promise. It's a promise we make to the homeowner. We make to the consumer that you're going to hire reliable service. He's going to show up or she's going to show up. She's going to do a good job at a fair price. And then if you want them to come back, they'll, they'll show up when they're supposed to. That's the promise. Green pal. We hook you up with your pal, the guy who's going to be there week in and week out to come cut your grass. That's what our brand stands for. And then on service providers, we really try to be the thing that they just spend all their time in. Like we are that partner with you in the truck. We are that thing in your pocket that helps you make money. We are the thing that solves real problems in your life and in your business that makes it better. Like that's the brand that we have for service providers. It's we are your pal. We are the guys that are working our ass off because we know you're working your ass off. And if you win, we win. That's what we stand for. I love it. It's like you really do have their backs. Absolutely. I mean, without them, we don't have a business. And many of them without us, they don't have a business. And so it's a symbiotic relationship. We're we're totally aligned. That's awesome. All right, Brian, last question. And I love asking this question because I get such interesting answers all the time. Write the headline five years from now in a glowing feature story about GreenPal. GreenPal enabling 90% of grass of lawns being cut nationwide. GreenPal empowering over 1 million entrepreneurs to run their lawn mowing business. GreenPal enabling minority small business owners to get into business. We have a lot of minority business owners and that's a lot of fun. We have a lady in Atlanta that started off just her and a push mower mowing two yards and now has three crews doing 300 yards a week. 
Are you nationwide right now? Yeah, we're nationwide right now. We have slowly chewed our way to every city in the United States. And in the future, we'll be expanding into Canada, UK, and Australia. But we still got a little further to go in the United States and some smaller markets. Gotcha. And can people start right off with GreenPal right in an app store? Or do they start with you first on your .com and go from there? Either or. You can just download GreenPal in the app store, Play Store, and you can onboard right from the mobile app and never even use the website. Awesome. I had a lot of fun talking with Brian. The whole time I was speaking to him, there was this one word swirling around in my head, and it was grit. It doesn't matter if you own your own business or just want to master your craft. We need to understand all aspects of the businesses that we're in, even the unsexy stuff, especially the unsexy stuff. The guys behind Green Pal, they hung 200,000 door hangers and got bit by dogs in the process. They learned code. They wrapped their heads around SEO and click conversions, the stuff that we always want to delegate. If we're building a business click by click, it takes grittiness to play the long game. The other lessons from GreenPal's story is about listening to your customers and removing friction at every single turn, right up to stop making people remember passwords for starters. The other lesson was experimenting is good, but doubling down on what works is better. Rather than spending time and resources fixing what's not working, go all in on what is working. It takes discipline to focus efforts, but it's clearly worth it. GreenPal is a great example of using technology for good. Brian and his co-founders, they created seamless tech that is really changing the livelihoods of millions of small business owners around the country. I love when that happens. This has been an episode of Uncooked. I'm Jacqueline Lieberman, founder and chief strategist at Brand Crudo a marketing consultancy. You can learn more about what we do at brandcrudo.com. I want to thank Brian Clayton for joining me from GreenPal. You can check them out at yourgreenpal.com. If you like what you heard, please subscribe, rate, and review this episode. It's the only way the podcast reaches new people. A quick 60 seconds is all it takes, and your feedback would mean the world to me. Thanks so much for listening.